The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, March 8th, 2021. The woman in your life she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. What a great day here in Sonoma County. Uh, just a blessed day, actually. I'm really excited this morning. Uh, joining me on the phone will be Debbie McKay, who is the former president of the Sonoma County chapter of the League of Women Voters. The League of Women Voters is one of the oldest women's uh, organizations uh, to develop. It actually came out of the suffrage movement. And uh, we're going to be talking about the history of the League. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, founder, Carrie Chapman Cat, a really Really interesting, interesting woman, and the league's history, both nationally and locally. So there's a lot to do. Well, before I go any further, um, you know, every once in a while, something very sad happens. You know, when you lose somebody, somebody that really impacts your life or impacts a company's life, and. Just recently, one of our uh, devoted uh, supporters and volunteers of. KBBF here in Santa Rosa uh, passed away. Her name is Joanna Saparis. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about her. I just want to honor her. She gave a lot of time, a lot of volunteer time to the station. And, you know, volunteers are the backbone of all community radio stations, you know, and that we need to acknowledge them. Well, anyway, Joanna graduated in the first graduating class of Mexican-American studies, Chicano studies at Sonoma State University. She was one of the five white Angelos in the class. One of the founders of KBBF told her if she wanted to work at the radio station, she needed to know Spanish. He suggested that she join the Peace Corps, which she did. She went to Ecuador, and there she lived for a few years, helping in a very poor community and absolutely learn Spanish. She loved to say that she was one of the first gringos, white person, to volunteer for the station and in the early years. People were always very surprised how well she spoke Spanish. She did a lot of social and political work among Spanish-speaking communities. She moved to Washington State to be near her mother until her mother's death and then returned to Santa Rosa and continued her volunteer uh, her volunteer position. She was raised in Sebastopol. Her teacher, her father actually was a teacher at Anley High School in Sebastopol, and her ashes will be buried in a Sebastopol cemetery where her brother is also buried. She passed away on January 20th, 2021. She was in her early 70s. She was really a loved person, and she considered community radio her family. She will be greatly missed. Um, I personally am unable to attend the, the funeral services, which are happening right now while I'm on the air. So all I can say right now is rest in peace, dear Joanna, and thank you for your contribution and belief in community radio. Oh, you know, life is such a gift. Each day is a gift. 
you know, this month is going to be my birthday and I'm, <laughs> I'm really thinking God, another year older, but no, it's another day to live, another day to be on the radio and another day to love. And Joanna, I, I hope you rest in peace, my love. You did a wonderful thing for us. Well, Another thing I want to do a shout out, you know, today is the, yesterday we had two uh, impacting anniversaries. It was one year ago, yesterday, uh, March 7th, that we all went into isolation. And it was also the day that my dear friend Nancy Rogers and her husband Harold Rogers lost their son John. It was that in, uh, anniversary. John was a beautiful, beautiful young African American man who was always willing to help everybody in the neighborhood. And he's been gone now year and I'll tell you there's not a day that we don't think about John so lots to think about but the most important thing the most important thing is become aware that you're alive today that you can contribute you can help make the world a better place by just learning how to be a better person this that simple to me well today is national women's history day Wow, you know, we have History Day, History Week, and History Month. Well, History Day, this year, the theme for International Women's Day, which is today, March 8th, Women in Leadership, Achieving an Equal Future in a COVID-19 World. Oh, we've had an altered reality the last year, that's for sure. It celebrates the tremendous efforts by women and girls around the world in shaping a more equal future and recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic and highlights the gaps that remain. Well, you know, it's very interesting when you think about International Women's, Women's Day, March 8th, which is today. You know, it grew out of, it actually, you know, when you come to think of it, it grew out of the labor movement to become recognized and it's become recognized as an annual event by the United Nations. The seeds of it were planted in 1908 when 15,000 women marched through New York City demanding shorter working hours, better pay, and the right to vote. Can you imagine that? The right to vote. We didn't even have the right to vote in 1908. Women were standing up and struggling, and we're celebrating that day. It's so, and in the labor movement. I mean, it was very interesting. My father was a union man, and he would tell me stories about how in Chicago, how they start developing the labor movement and how difficult it was. I mean, it really was difficult. Anyway, the idea to make the day international came from a woman called Clara Zitkin. She suggested the idea in 1910 at an international conference of working women of Copenhagen. There were a 100 women there from 17 countries, and they agreed on her suggestion unanimously. It was first celebrated in 1911 in Denmark, Germany, and Switzerland. Later on, it became more the United States. In 1975, the United Nations made it official that we are celebrating March 8th as International Women's Day. You know, it's a day that we come together to celebrate our accomplishments. And you know, it, it's, you know, one of the things, one of the things that's so interesting, last month was Black History Month. 
and there was a lot going on, a lot of information. And that we've been watching, Ken and I have been watching this program called Amend. And then there's another, uh, another program that I watched was Mrs. America. And then there's also, uh, several, there were several suffrage, uh, movies that we watched on PBS. And what became very clear to me, I mean, really clear to me. You know, everybody talks about Black Lives Matters, and they say, oh, no, all lives matter. No, Black Lives Matters. And if Black Lives don't matter, no lives matter. You know, today they're starting the uh, the trial of George Floyd. You know, the whole world is watching to see if justice is served in this incident. I mean, I never thought in my lifetime that I would watch on television somebody being killed right in front of my eyes for a reason. There, There's no reason for it. I mean, what did he do? He didn't attack anybody. I mean, it's, it's, it was, even if he did, I mean, you don't kill someone on television. You, I mean, they're right in front of us. And all these cameras going and they're begging the police to stop. I mean, it was a horrific, horrific thing to experience. But one of the things that has become very, very clear to me is that the African American women during the time of suffrage were very, very active in the suffrage movement, even though they knew they were not going to get the vote. And there were times, believe it or not, where they were told to go to the back of the line in marches. You know, and it looked like the African-American men were going to get the vote, but not the women. And yet the Caucasian women were going to get the vote. I mean, everything felt, to me, felt very, very confusion. I don't know why they just didn't say everybody has the right to vote. You're a citizen. And when you watch the program Amend, you really get a sense of what the 14th Amendment is all about. But the reason I bring this up is this is a woman's show. And this show is dedicated to ordinary women doing extraordinary things. So what I decided to do, especially during Women's History Month, is acknowledge at least one African-American woman. And the woman that I picked was really uh, it's just amazing. It's an amazing woman. Let me just get my notes here. You know, this is really very, very interesting when you're... You know, I hurt my, uh, I hurt my sciatica nerve and unfortunately I have to stand. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of interesting being in this studio, you know, standing and trying to, trying to get the papers and get everything together. And the woman that I decided to honor is a woman by the name of Frances Ellen Watkins Harper. She was a reformer in the uh, abolition movement in the women's and the women's rights movement in the temp and also the temperance movement and in the civil rights movement. In addition, her poetry and essays are significant because she used them as vehicles to comment upon the experience of African Americans. Harper was born in, to a free black parents in Baltimore, Maryland in 1825. At the age of 26, she moved to Columbus, Ohio, where she taught domestic science at Union Seminary. She was very, very active. She spent eight years traveling around the United States delivering anti-slavery lectures and writing essays and poems about what she observed. And, you know, back then, when we're talking about the 1825, it was very dangerous for a woman, particularly a black woman, to be going from one state to another, one area to another, reporting what was happening with slavery. So it's very, very important that we acknowledge these women for their courage because they, they made the path for all of us. 
for all of us. In addition uh, to her abolitionist activity, Har- uh, Harper was committed to the temperance movement and the struggle for women's rights. Now, this is so interesting. I mean, when you start thinking about what was going on there, she believed that alcohol was linked to the decline of the black community and wrote multiple poems on this topic. Harper uh, was also focused on women's suffrage and the pursuit of equal rights, job opportunities, and education for black women. She was a member of the American Equal Suffrage Association and later formed the American Women's Suffrage Association with Frederick Douglass and other uh, reformers. So that's a little bit about Frances Ellen Watkins Harper. And her spirit is with us today. And thank her, just like all the other women that have come before her, and particularly the black women who have helped so, so many of us. I mean, we need to acknowledge our history. After all, our history is our strength. It really is. It really is our strength. You know, when we see what women went before us, it gives us confidence. You know, imagine here's Frances Harper going from one state to another reporting all these atrocities that were happening with black people and with slavery. She put her life on the line. She put her life on the line for freedom. You know, I remember when I played that, uh, when we had the Black Lives Matter song on there. There's one line in it, freedom, oh freedom. Freedom, oh freedom. You know, we're a free country. You know, we pride ourselves in our freedom. But it looks like when you start looking at history, not everybody had that equal opportunity. But we're catching up. And I recommend very highly that folks listen and watch the movie or the documentary called Amen, A-M-E-N-D. It is a vital piece of history for us because the 14th Amendment is such a powerful amendment and it it has influenced so many decisions around Black Lives Matter, around the Civil Rights Movement, around women's rights, around LGBTG rights, around gay rights, about gay marriage. I mean, all these things circling around the 14th Amendment. And it lets you know, it lets you know what it truly means to be an American to be to be free to have choice i mean it's such a simple thing but we all get so locked up in our thoughts and our ways of thinking oh this is the right way i don't like this person or whatever you know but we're all just one family of humanity you know one family the human family and that's going to be the big catch up you know when we finally look at each other and say yes we are all brothers and sisters we may not live in the same house but we're the same race we're the same body of people the human race what a thought huh well it was a few other things that happened i think history history is so important to know your history it's so important to know whose shoulders you're standing on and we are standing on some pretty vital women well, March 9th, that these are two happy birthdays. And what I try to do is I try to integrate. When I talk about women in history, I try to bring all women in. Black women, Jewish women, African-American women, uh, Hispanic women, you name it, Asian women. We, I try to bring a variety because so many, so many women have helped move us forward. And if we're not careful, 
there are forces around us that would like to bring us backward. You know, the old saying, you know, barefoot and pregnant. Yeah, that's that's I remember that saying. Well, happy birthday to Garcia Alvarez. She was a Chicana activist, the first woman and Latina graduate from Notre Dame Law School, and one of the first two women on the board of the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Education Fund. She was born on March 9th, just like, you know, fellow Pisces like myself, 1928, and she made her transition in 1987. Wow, the first woman, a Hispanic woman, in, in, to graduate from Notre Dame Law School. And another happy birthday that was a woman that was born in March 9th is Sue Lee. Sue Lee was an organizer in San Francisco and led the 15-week strike. Listen to this, the 15-week strike against National Dollar Store's garment factory for better wages and working t- condition. Her story is featured in Unbound Voices, a documentary history of Chinese women in San Francisco. So happy birthday, Sue Lee. What, you know, what a, an adventure these women went on. Standing up, I mean, many, oh, <coughs> excuse me, many of them put their life on the line. So when we think about it, and we think about these women that were standing on the shoulders, in my mind, it just gives me more and more confidence. Hey, if she can do it, I can do it. You know, I think of Ida B. Wells often, who was an African-American woman, a journalist, who went into the South and reported on lynching. I mean, she had her life threatened. But she was standing up for the injustice of her people. And she risked all she had. And when I think of these women, I kind of stand up a little straighter if you know what I mean. Well, I've got one last announcement, and this is uh, this is really exciting. As many of you know, I am the president for the National Organization for Women, the Sonoma County chapter. Very proud of the chapter. We we have a new newsletter. If you want to uh, if you want to get on the newsletter list, go to nowsonoma.org and you can make a request. But once a month, we have our meeting, and what we have done. Once a month we have our monthly meeting and what we have decided to do is to have a meeting first for about a half hour and then to have some sort of presentation, some sort of event. And I'm really excited. What, what's so interesting and trust me, this was all accidental. The next meeting is going to be on March 18th. That happens to be my birthday, but so what? So we'll celebrate, we'll celebrate this wonderful woman we're going to present and we'll also celebrate my birthday. Why not? And anybody else's birthday that's happening in that month. So anyway, the Sonoma County chapter of the National Organization for Women, known as now NOW, we're going to celebrate Women's History Month on March 18th and we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful woman by the name of Lilith Rogers who does a one woman show on Silent Spring. Uh, the author is Rachel Carson's uh, Silent Spring and she brings forward uh, Rachel Carson and all her um, her information about pesticides and the dangers. And you know when I look at it, when I think of her presentation and I think of Rachel Carson, it's been almost 50, it's been over 50 years since she wrote that book. And we know everything she said in it was true particularly the elevation of cancer in children because of these pesticides. Imagine if we would have done something at the very beginning when she wrote the book, we would have paid more attention. And what's so interesting about her book is the 
the pesticide uh, uh, groups, organizations, companies got together and just plowed her to the ground. I mean, they made her like she was some sort of nut. But she wasn't. She was right on. She was watching the bees die. She was watching the insects disappear. She was a biologist herself. And she has a very, very important message. So that's going to be Thursday, March 18th. The time is going to be 6.30 to 8 o'clock. It's going to be a Zoom. It is free. And like I said, it's going to be a one-woman show where the presenter will be Lilith Rogers. Lilith Rogers created and produced this show. And also, she is a writer of many children's books. She's, it's, it's just, it's just worth seeing. If you want to find out more information, go to nowsonoma.org. That's N-O-W-S-O-N-O-M-A dot org. Lots to think about. Don't you think? I mean, I love thinking about things. <laughs> Maybe sometimes I think I think too much. Well, it's that time. We're going to take a musical break. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting that today is International Women's Day, and it grew out of the labor movement. So what are we going to do? And, you know, like I have said many, many times on this show, I am very familiar with labor. My father was a dedicated union man. In fact, it was very interesting. Uh, he went to work for his brother for a while, and my mother said, well, Saul, why do you keep the, why do you keep paying your union dues? And my dad said, you never know what's going to happen. This is my security. And sure enough, something happened between him and his brother, and boom, right back to work. Kept up his union dues, kept up his participation, and he was protected. And his salary, and his workability, and his union participation made it possible for my mother to stay home to raise her children and do the things that have to be done. It's a very different world today. And people sometimes are against unions. And in my mind, unions are the only way that we can get fairness. We must have a place at the table. We must have representation. And the powers that be have done a wonderful job letting us know how corrupt they are. When you know, corruption is everywhere. You have to look and see how much is in this spot and how much is in that spot before you make any decision. I'm at the point where I don't even want to listen to propaganda anymore. It's just, it's just crazy. Anyway, so we're going to take a musical break. The song I'm going to play is Bella Chow. It's sung by Betsy Rose in the Women's Choir. And Bella Chow is, it's, it's pronounced Bella Chow. It means goodbye beautiful. It's an Italian protest folk song that originated in the late 19th century, sung by the Modena workers in protest to the harsh working conditions in the paddy fields of North Italy. So, so all this has, has gone on and on and on, and this has become almost a, 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 a just a known song when unions are going on strike or they have some sort of decisions to make. Now, when we return, I'm very excited. When we return, I will be talking with Debbie McKay, the former president of the Sonoma County chapter of the League of, uh, League of Women Voters. And we'll be going to be talking about the, the league, its history. And I'm really excited because I want to talk about Carrie Chapman Cat. You know, she was the one who began. She was a suffrage, and she was the one who started the League of Women Voters, and there's quite a quite a history of it. So let's go ahead and play that song, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Debbie McKay. Oh, we are women, and we are marching. Oh, Bella Ciao, Bella Ciao. 
We wanted to change our world yesterday. <laughs> we want to change our world right now. You know, I, I want to I want to remind people once again that this is March eighth, Women's International Day, that we celebrate all women and their accomplishments. And like I said, it was born out of the labor music. And I'm going to play another labor song uh, when we take another musical break. But I want to remind folks of the colors of Women's History Day. The colors are purple, green, and white are the colors of International Women's Day. Purple signifies justice and dignity. Green symbolizes hope. White represents purity. The colors originated from the Women's Social and Political Union, WSPU, in the UK in 1908. And it's always been, the colors have always been part of Women's uh, International Women's Day. So, happy celebration. For all of you folks just joining us, I want to remind you that the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, the board of directors, its members are women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce one of my special guests. Is you know, some of these some women are kind of becoming regulars, and Debbie's been one of my regulars talking about the League of Women Voters because I feel it's such an important uh, uh, important organization. So, welcome, uh, Debbie. Welcome to Women's Spaces once again. Good morning, Elaine. I'm really thrilled to be on your program again. I think you do a wonderful service to the community. Well, it's women like you that are helping me do that service. So welcome, welcome. Uh, before we start, can I tell our listeners just a little bit about you? 
pleasure. Well, first of all, uh, Debbie McKay has served as the president for the League of Women Voters here in Sonoma County. How many years have you served, Debbie? Uh, it, it's been about uh, almost two years. So almost two years as president. And has just done a wonderful, wonderful job. In fact, in our, our now newsletter, we're doing a shout-out for all the wonderful information they brought to us during the uh, last election. Well, Debbie McKay is a lifelong resident of Sonoma County and has always been active in the community. Previously, she served as the treasurer and president of the YWCA, and she was also the past president of the League. League of Women Voters and former chair of the League of, of the League's Outreach Committee, where she taught over sixty lo- uh, local community members how to register citizens to vote. Well, is there anything you'd like to add, Debbie, to that to that little resume? Um, well, the other thing I've been looking back on the things I've done. The other thing I was involved in, actually, when I was in junior college, was I started helped start the um, economic opportunity program at the JC. This was after the death of Martin Luther King, and I was on a committee that worked for a year to get that program going, and it provided financial support, tutoring, and recruitment of people of color to be involved in the junior college, and that program has continued over all these years. So uh, I've been sort of a lifelong activist. Well, I think that's an amazing feat, you know, and the thing is that's so wonderful about community, you know, making all these different opportunities available for people is that the more opportunity, the more people can get educated and elevate themselves, the closer we are to having peace on earth. So, I mean, it's thank you so much for mentioning that. Well, let, let's start talking. You know, one of the things that I found very, very interesting is I start doing some, you know, because it's uh, Women's International Day, I thought, you know, I want to find more out about the league. You know, I know we have a chapter here, but then I start reading up on Carrie Chapman Cat. So what I would like to do to talk about the history of the League of Women Voters, what was its beginning philosophy, and, and what was taking place at the time? I know there was a suffrage movement and all kinds of different things, but give, give us your perspective. Yeah, Carrie Chapman Cat was very concerned about uh, the dignity of women, and she felt like women could not have their dignity until they were treated in terms of being equals. And the vote was a way to get that kind of legislation. So the vote was a vehicle for women to really be treated as equals in the United States, and she was actually concerned about this internationally. For a while, she was the president of the International Women's Suffrage Alliance. She also founded the Women's Peace Party in 1915. So she was really concerned about women throughout the world. And her hope, when, when the League was formed, it was formed to foster education in citizenship and to support legislation. So it was formed right after the women got the right to vote in uh, the United States. But that was just a first step for her. She realized that in order to make the changes that she felt were necessary, women needed to understand the voting process. They needed to understand what the issues were. And so she wanted to enfranchise women really in every state and to aid women throughout the United States in becoming really educated voters. And then once they had the vote, they could use that to get rid of other forms of discrimination and make women really equal partners in our society. 
And then she hoped that by doing that, we could kind of be a beacon for the rest of the world so that women throughout the world would secure the right to vote and really become full citizens. So she had a pretty global vision. I know. And, you know, it's so interesting when I think about her. She was born in 1859 and went all the way to 1947. So she actually lived for 20-some-odd years after, after they got the vote. She did, and she was, uh, during that time she was the honorary president of the league. She wasn't the actual president, but she continued to work for women's rights, and uh, she worked on issues such as child labor, world peace. She worked to uh, try to protect the Jewish people during World War I uh, and was very concerned about Hitler's growing power. And uh, she actually received the American Jewish Medal in 1933 for her work with trying to uh, secure safety for Jewish refugees. So she continued her work long after the vote happened, and she continued to strategize with other women in the League about passing legislation and supporting different movements such as the United Nations. And so she was a very active woman throughout her life. It didn't end with getting the vote for women. That was just one step along her journey. She was also the only woman to graduate from her college class. She also went from being a teacher, which was one of the few jobs open to women, to being the school superintendent. So she was a woman of vision, and she was a great writer, she was a great speaker, and she was a great strategist. Well, she certainly left us with a wonderful legacy. I mean, the league has been so instrumental, particularly around election time. And it's particularly this 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 season, I became more aware of the league than ever before. I mean, you guys did a lot of zooming, and so much information came out. I mean, I me- I remember when I went to the ballot and I was marking it. I said, "Oh, I know this one because of of, of you folks." So it's a it's amazing. You know, I found a I found a quote from her, which I think I mean after doing all the reading and everything. This really sums her up. This is a quote from uh, Carrie Chapman uh, Cat: To the wrongs that need resistance, to the rights that needs assistance, to the future in the distance, give yourselves. To the wrongs that need resistance, to the right that needs assistance, to the future in the distance, give yourselves. What a statement. Wouldn't you agree on that? Oh, I agree. Yeah. And and what they did is they encouraged every woman to become registered to vote and then to work within the party of their choice to make change. And she was very good at putting together little phrases like that that would be easy to remember because it was almost like a real short poem. So she was very good at mobilizing people and inspiring people. And from what I have read, she was very good at standing up to the other suffragists as if she didn't like what direction they were going. Oh, yeah. There there was a lot of disagreement about the best tactics. Some people felt that they should work at a national level, and other people felt it should be state by state. Some felt they should be more uh, persuasive and not as strident, and other people like... um, Oh, Susan B. Anthony felt that, uh, you know, they should use whatever tactics were effective. And, um, yeah, there was quite a bit of disagreement about, among the, the people in the league. And one of the more controversial things was their um, kind of, uh, they're characterized as leaving the black and colored community in the dust on the suffrage movement. And that isn't quite accurate. They didn't 
take a strident stand for getting language into the Constitution, ensuring that everyone of color has the right to vote. They focused on females, but they didn't stop fighting once they got that. They continued to fight for everyone to have the right to vote. But again, I said she was a strategist and a tactician, and she looked at the lay of the land, and she said, if we don't get this passed in the southern states, we're not going to have any rights for women. And see, she saw this as just one step in making continuing change. So it was important to get the vote for as many women as possible so that they could continue to make changes. Now, it took another 45 years of fighting before women of color really got the right to vote, and that's unfortunate. And, you know, it's, and, and people were disenfranchised because of that. But I think she decided tactically that if they tried to push for everyone to get the votes in the South, they would lose. And you have to remember this um, amendment was ratified by one vote in the final state that ratified, which was Tennessee. So they could have lost this by one vote in the Tennessee legislature. So this was a very close fight, and they took the tactics that they thought would be necessary. But that didn't mean they stopped fighting for people to everyone to get the vote. She continued to fight for everyone to get the vote. Now, she died before the Equal Rights Amendment was, uh, was, I mean, the Equal Rights legislation was passed, and she died before the right to vote legislation was passed. But she continued to fight for those things throughout her life. Well, she was definitely a mis- uh, definitely an amazing woman. And, and she was born, just to let folks know, she was born January, uh, where's that little thing? Oh, she was born January 9th, 1859 in Rapport, Wisconsin. She was the second of three children. And from a farmer, she was farmer. She was, uh, she went to Iowa when she was about seven years old, and then she went to, on to college, which was very unusual for women at that, at that time. So, thank you, Cherry Chapman Cat, for doing so much. She was born in 1859, and she made her transition in 1947. And I would really recommend all my listeners to go online and read up on this woman. Why? Because she gives you confidence and courage. You know, she she lets you know that all things are possible if you just stand up and be heard. You know, that's very, very important. Well, before we take a, a musical break, I, I don't want to get too much into the uh, the debates. But when when did when did the league start taking over the debates? It, it, was this also part of her of her vision that she would have the different people running for office? No, that really happened after she had passed. Um, so uh, the first uh, debates that we, we were involved in were held in 1960. It was the debate between Jimmy Carter and Gerald Ford. And there hadn't been debates for a number of years. They had not been presidential debates, and the league felt like that was very important. And we continued to do those debates for both uh, president and vice president every four years up through the um, 1984 election. And what happened in 1984 was the Democrats and Republican National Parties came together, and they uh, did a joint decision to have the debates sponsored by the parties, and they wanted to have much more control of the debates. And so they did invite the League to continue, and there were negotiations with the League about that, but the League felt like the party wanted to have too much control over the debates, and they weren't going to be 
really free and impartial anymore, and the, the league has really prided themselves on sponsoring free, you know, free discourse and impartial forums, and they felt like this was not going in that direction. So, actually, um, the parties then in 1987 announced the creation of a commission on presidential debates, and at that point, the league uh, withdrew, and the league stopped doing those debates. And this commission on presidential debates has continued to sponsor the debates um, from 1988 through 2012. So it's kind of unfortunate because the league um, was really praised for the job they did on the debates, and we have moved that effort to going and doing um, not, I wouldn't say debates, but doing uh, candidate forums. So we do candidate forums throughout the United States on all levels of government. And uh, here in Sonoma County this last year, we really focused on the city council races because there were a lot of contested seats on our local city council races. And you're right, we went to Zoom because of COVID. We couldn't do them in person. But that was actually a, a hidden blessing from Zoom and from COVID because we had more people watch those um, candidate forums than we've ever had in the past. We had close to 5,000 people watch those candidate forums, either at the time they were live or afterwards on our YouTube channel. Well, you so, know, you, you, know you, su- you support an idea that I have. Because one of the things that I think more than anything is that we should have all our elections. There should not be any paid advertisement. We should work through our community medias and have these debates non-partially because I don't know. I don't care what anybody says. Once you see that advertiser up there, you know they got they have at least one big toe in there, if you know what I mean. Well, the league league is continuing its work on trying to make – accurate information. I don't know if we'll ever do away with um, those ads because they make so much money from them, but what we want to do is be another voice they can turn to. And another really important thing the League does is our Voters Edge, and that is a website where people can go and get impartial information and nonpartisan information about the candidates, and then they can also get information about the various ballot measures. And we, there's literally thousands, if not millions, of people that go to that website every year to look up that information. Well, so it, we're, we're continuing the work. It never ends. And a big issue that's coming up right now is voter suppression. You know, we, we fought and won the vote uh, 100 years ago for women, and then in 1965 we got the vote for people of color. Well, the people who don't want to have a strong democracy are continuing to fight to suppress the vote. And so there's new legislation that's been introduced in 43 states to try to suppress the vote, primarily for people of color. So the League is very actively fighting that. And uh, at the national level, H.R. 1, which is uh, the voting, sort of the reestablishment of the Voting Rights Act, is called For the People Act, passed the House. But now we have to really fight to get it through the Senate. And that would protect a lot of the voting rights that were weakened uh, by Citizens United that was decided by the Supreme Court. So this battle goes on. It just kind of never ends. You'd 
you'd think we wouldn't have to be fighting this good fight, but we still are. Well, democracy democracy takes a lot of work and a lot of involvement. It's not. It's much easier to have a dictator. Hey, you do it this way, you do it that way. But when you have a democracy and there's so many different opinions and ideas, I mean, that's the excitement of it. Well, Debbie, will you stay with me a few more minutes? We're going to have a musical break, and I have a few more questions. Is that okay? Sure. Okay, we're going to take a break. Like I said, International Women's Day grew out of the labor movement. So the next song I'm going to play is one of my favorite. It's by May. Uh, uh, who's the Who's singing? Let me see that. Okay. It's by uh, by Bobby McGee. We're going to be singing. She's going to be singing "Bread and Roses." Well, let me let me tell you a little bit about this song. I mean, I find it fascinating when you go into the history of songs. Bread and Roses is a political slogan as well as the name of an associated poem and song. It originated from a speech given by American women's suffrage activist Helen Todd. A line that speech, in the, it, there was a line in that speech, Bread and Roses too, inspired the title of the poem, Bread and Roses by James Oppenheimer. The poem was first published in the American magazine in December of 1911, with the attribution line, bread for all and roses too, a slogan of the women in the West. The poem has been translated into other languages and has been set to music by at least three different authors. So let's go ahead and listen to Bread and Roses. And when we return, uh, joining me on the phone, I'm talking with uh, Debbie McKay, who's the former president of the League of Women Voters here in Sonoma County, which is one of the oldest women's organizations. And we'll continue talking about the League and its commitment to education along with inspiring women to vote. So let's go ahead, Ken, with Bread and Roses. Marching in the beauty of the day A million darkened kitchens A thousand mill loves gray Are touched with all the radiance That a sudden sun discloses For the people hear us singing Bread and roses, bread and roses Marching, we bring the gr- 
days For the rising of the women Means the rising of the race No more the drudge and idler Tend that toil where one reposes But a sharing of life's glories Bread and roses, bread and roses. Oh, God, I can just see the women marching. I can just see them. You know, I can just see people hollering at them. Oh, my goodness, it's amazing. What an amazing song. I mean, I, I didn't realize, I start reading this, I didn't realize it was a poem. So I think next uh, next week, maybe at the show, maybe I'll read the poem. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And I'm, uh, I'm honored to be talking on the phone with Debbie McKay, who is the former president of the League of Women Voters here in Sonoma County Chapter. Uh, the League is one of the oldest women's organization, and we are continuing. Continuing our conversation about the league's history and its commitment to education, along with inspiring women to vote. Well, Debbie, talk a little bit about today's world. How how is you know you talked you talked a little bit, but how has the league changed today, and what what are some of the goals and missions that are still in place? Well, the league uh, has a big priority of making democracy work, and uh, so we're continuing to do our voter education, but also continuing to talk about the electoral process. So one of the things we're doing is we're partnering with the Marin County League of Women Voters to do a four-part series about the election process. And we held the first one on March 1st, which was about ranked choice voting. And I won't get into a discussion about it here, but if you want to learn more about it, you can go to our YouTube page and watch the video that we did. We did a video of the Zoom. And it's just a very basic understanding of ranked choice voting, but it it's a way to make every vote really count, and it's a way to um, empower people to make choices and select the person who represents their views uh, the most accurately. So anyway, we want to educate people about that. It's been adopted in some other jurisdictions and actually in some other states, and it's kind of a current movement that's afoot. Another one we're going to do is about um, money in politics and what the rules are locally, but also what you were just talking about, how money really impacts uh, how people get educated and should there be more limits on how much money can be spent. We're kind of experiencing that right now with the recall effort for the uh, current district attorney where uh, excessive amounts of money are, are being poured into that campaign. And uh, then we're going to do one about the Electoral College and are there alternatives to that. And then um, we're going to we're still deciding what the fourth uh, topic will be, but we're going to be doing these once a month over the next four months. So that's one thing we're doing. We're also putting together videos that can be used in the high schools about how to register to vote, how you actually go and vote, you know what the actual process is, and then how to spot fake news and uh, how to evaluate ballot measures, how to run for office about money and politics. We're doing a whole series of um, seven to eight videos that are available on our YouTube channel, and we're going to be encouraging high school students to watch those and high school teachers to uh, include those in their civics education. So those are two of the things that we're currently working on right now. 
And I wanted to make a comment about, you've been talking about International Women's Day, which I think is great and which we're all celebrating. But I want to talk a little bit about what concrete things people in our community can do to support women. And number one is to support women-owned businesses. So find out who owns our local businesses that you're patronizing and look for businesses that are owned, operated, and controlled by women in our community and vote with your dollars. I think it's important to vote with your dollars as well as voting in the polling booth and deliberately seek out local businesses that are women-owned and encourage your friends to do that as well because this um, COVID pandemic has had a disparate impact on women. A lot of Women of color and a lot of uh, working mothers have had to pull out of their businesses or reduce their businesses to manage their households and their child care responsibilities. So women are really hurting in this economy, and supporting them with your dollars is something you can do to change that. Well, and I also encourage people to make donations to women's organizations such as NOW, such as the League of Women Voters, the YWCA, and other uh, nonprofits in the community that support the women's movement. And then finally, acknowledge the awesome women in your life. So, you know, if somebody has been an inspiration to you or a mentor to you or you're really impressed with what a young person is doing, let them know. Send them a text. Call them. Spend some face time with them. And once you get vaccinated, spend some time with them. We need to acknowledge the work that each of us are doing, and we need to support each other as this battle goes on. And then think about joining these organizations as well. I mean, now and, and the League of Women Voters, uh, other organizations, we depend on volunteers. We depend on people in our community to support the work we do. Particularly. Uh, and in, we need people to join us and support what we're doing. Particularly young people. People, getting more and more young young women involved. You yeah. know, I want to I throw in a plug also for community radio. There's several, several, this, this, this show here, you know, to support this show, Women's Spaces. There's several other women's uh, shows that if you do some research. In fact, I might get a, a list and put it on our website, you know, that, you know, to support, to support the women in media, particularly in community media, because most of us are like myself. We're volunteers. I actually, you know, Debbie, I actually pay every month. I pay a, I give a donation to make sure that I'm on the air. Well, one uh, last another issue that I want to talk to you about just really quickly is just a little bit about Sonoma County's uh, uh, chapter. When did it start, and and wh- what do you feel is its future? Uh, we started in the 1950s. We were <clears throat> originally just focused on Santa Rosa, and then we became the the league for all of Sonoma County. And I think, you know, like I said, our work is not done. I I really wish our work was done. You know, I wish we didn't have to worry about voter suppression. I wish everybody was registered to vote. I wish everybody voted in every election. Um, You know, our democracy is a participatory democracy, and it really depends on the citizens being involved and being informed. But there's so many other things competing for our attention and our time and our money and our lives that we kind of need little reminders, especially when it gets close to election time or voter registration deadlines. We need little reminders. And we're also a very mobile society. And so we move around a lot, and every time you move, you got to re-register, and people don't always remember that. So 
the league is kind of like your little friend who reminds you, <laughs> oh, it's time to register to vote. Oh, it's time to watch a candidate forum. Oh, it's it's time to actually go to the polls. And I think that's a real valuable service that we provide because people's lives are so busy and so full. And so we're always there. If you need information about elections, we're always there. Well, we only have two minutes left, so they, I'd like you to give the website, how they can get a hold of you, and any last words. Yes, please visit our website at www.lwvsonoma.org. And on that page, there's um, our calendar that will show you events that are going on. There's also a link under elections to go to our YouTube channel. And we are putting more and more things up there. So that is the best way to reach us. If you have a question, you can send it to info at lwvsonoma.org, and somebody will get back to you. Well, Debbie McKay, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. As always, you were so prepared and so wonderful to give all that beautiful, beautiful information to us. So thank you so, so very much for all your good service, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Elena, and I really appreciate being asked to come on again. Thank you for what you're doing to make our community a better place. Well, thank you, Debbie. Well, folks, that's it for our show. Special thank you to Debbie McKay, former president of the League of Women Voters, the Sonoma County chapter. A great piece of history that continues. Women's history is so important. So happy International Women's Day 2021. A reminder, tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m. on Monday evening. Evenings. I'm so excited I get to listen to my own program. I'm also available for speaking engagements, and if you have any announcements you'd like to have on the air, like a birthday, an anniversary, or a shout-out. You know, and if you, all the information and everything that you need to know and, you know, want to find out, you can always go to www.womenspaces.com if you know of a guest or something that you would like to express or let me know how you're feeling about the show email me at elaine at womenspaces.com remember our children are the future and we must never lose sight of that in the words of Carrie Chapman Cat, to the wrongs that need resistance to the right that needs assistance to the future in the distance give yourself this is Elaine B. Holtz you've been listening to Women's Spaces the woman in your life is you. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, March 8th, 2021.